1: Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. It's episode 68 and we're talking all things refs this week. My name is Mark Kerry and joining me as always is Ryan Bailey. How are you doing, right?
0: I'm good. Uh, Ryan Bailey, sadly, previously... Globe Soccer Award nominee, Ryan Bailey <laughs> uh, and Mark Carey. Um, sadly, didn't win an award, did we? Not on our way to Dubai.
1: We're still nominees, though. As in, you said that as though it was past tense. We, As in, or, well, it no longer exists. We are and we will, always will be nominees of the Globe Soccer Awards for um, for Best Journalist. How mad.
0: So even if you don't get into the second round, do you still class yourself as a nominee?
1: Well I mean I've already thought about my acceptance speech um unfortunately don't need to use it now but you know phrases like it's just an honor to be nominated come into play do you know what I mean so <laughs> you gotta- <laughs> so it's it's still important it's still very um yeah it honestly it's such a it was such a compliment for us to be and so weird that we were it, as part of that um very strange that whole nomination but no sadly we didn't win um, or even get to the, the next stage of the the best journalist um, category for the Globe Soccer Award so we won't be going to Dubai um, this year at least still hold hope for future years
0: not this year for Fabrizio Romano you know with his billions of followers and whatever will probably win um, that's fine Fabrizio you do you if you want the Globe Soccer Award you have it we're not that bothered clearly yeah yeah um, there is always Dubai 2023 or maybe it'll be somewhere you know better than Dubai uh, and we'll get on the plane then but um, but thanks for all who voted for us anyway <laughs> yeah yeah. The, the dream lives
1: on next year who knows but um, no, that was an exciting thing that's happened um, since our last full episode actually uh, so it's been a little while um, and we've got some other exciting news as well haven't we in terms of we're going up in the world as a, as a podcast.
0: We are going up in the world, Mark. We have been approached by uh, the Sports Social Podcast Network, uh, which, from my understanding, is basically uh, a network with lots of fantastic pods, both big, small, amateur, professional, etc., etc. Uh, and it's this massive network of wonderful things. And the Football Fanalytics Podcast, as of next time we record an episode... We'll be part of a sports social podcast network, which is exciting. And I think that's what makes us sound a bit sort of um official, doesn't it, Mark? Do you know what I mean? We're part of a network. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's really nice to be under their umbrella, I guess. Um, and I think it's gonna be beneficial for for both of us. But I think for for us especially, the really nice thing is that the plan is for us to reach more listeners. Um, which is it can only be a good thing, obviously. And I think, as we've spoken about many times, the the good thing about our podcast is that You can listen at any point or join at any point, go back through the archives, um, and almost every one of our episodes isn't time-dependent. It's, you know, evergreen, isn't it? So you're sort of explaining certain concepts, um, certain things within analytics. So hopefully, off the back of it, we'll get more listeners, and they'll go go straight back to episode one.
0: There you go. And also, another weird thing is we're going to have adverts in our episodes, which is a bit that, again, will make us sound pretty professional, I think. Um, but I guess we've just got to say thank you to everyone who has listened to us up to this point and just, just skip the adverts. That's fine. You know, you don't need to listen to those. Just get to the good stuff anyway. But, do, you know,
1: do what you want. Just do what you as want, basically. As long as you're listening to our dulcet tones.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, but look, the the Football Family Seats podcast, as you say, Mark, is going up in the world. Um, yeah, remember to keep sharing, keep telling your friends about it, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yeah, just, again... It all points to Dubai 2023. Mm-hmm. We will get there.
1: Yeah, maybe next year. Um, right, let's get into the, the crux of the episode, I think. It's it's one of those as well, which we always seem to do. Just when we think that we've run out of ideas, we've uh, we've pulled something out of, <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, and this is going to be a fun one. Um, we've got different things that we're covering, all about referees. So uh, should we get into it? Let's do it. So referees, let's get into it. We sort of love to hate them, I think, is a, is a general term, referees. They, they're they there to adjudicate the game, Ryan. Some people think <laughs> they're there to spoil it a little bit. They basically take up most of the post-match press conference in terms of the, the topic. It's always about the referee decision. Um, in a lot of this, actually, we're not even going to talk too much about VAR, but we absolutely can do if you if you wish to um, but what sort of comes to mind for you when we when we think
0: about referees good bad in between well it's funny actually that you sort of say you know they're there to they're basically an admin role aren't they refs they're there, they're there to adjudicate the game as you say and uh sort of um put in good admin for the game and keep it running keep it fair keep it smooth and you're so right at the end of every single press conference if there's not a question about a referee and decision or uh, a a sort of a lack of decision in lots of uh, examples you know it always seems to take over everything doesn't it and Hmm. um i'm always one of those people who i'd like to think that i was sort of supportive of referees because Well, I think everyone thinks that, don't they? Until there's a there's a scenario, but I think something that genuinely on a serious point winds me up is when I see someone like Jurgen Klopp, who I know is a a, you know hard to say anything negative to about him to a Liverpool fan, but I think the one thing that really bugs me about Jurgen Klopp is how he sort of is the most likable character in lots of ways, but then the way he sort of treats referees and those Mm. sort of images which are quite funny, and he's not the only one, obviously. Uh, but those images that are quite funny, where he's kind of like screaming in a referee's face, I actually think he's pretty aggressive and out of order. Half time, I don't really understand aggression towards referees because at the end of the day, who would want to be a referee with some of the treatment that they get? And that there's obviously lots of nuances to it. There's lots of you, there are lots of refereeing mistakes. There are lots of controversial things to do with the subject. But at the end of the day, I think the sort of the abuse and the negativity towards referees completely outweighs the good stuff all the time, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: I, yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I, I think it's really unfair if if any manager were to to shout or berate a referee. Sometimes, obviously, the emotions of the game take over, but you can still be respectful and channel that in in the right way. And um, I think, yeah, the example that you gave with Jurgen Klopp is just awful. Where they get he gets really dangerously close to actually yeah. stopping the official. So. Yeah, f- from stopping the official from actually carrying on from officiating the game, mm. um, which which isn't obviously a good thing. So I do completely agree there. Um, I have two questions for you. One, what's your thoughts on referees using, or all of the officials using, well, they use microphones already, but the microphones um, to be heard by the the fan on the television, like, this, like has been used in Australia. I think I've seen a few clips in uh, the Australian A-League where they use that to great effect actually. Um, what are your thoughts on doing that sort of within the Premier League or, or more broadly across Europe?
0: I think it would be amazing, and I think the sort of it would help a lot of the problems that we all have with referees. And that's not, you know, that's hardly insightful. That that's that's chatted about a lot, isn't it? That when people are waiting, you know, up to sort of five minutes for VAR decisions to happen, a lot of the people are saying, "Well, why can't we hear the process so at least we understand and mm-hmm. we're sort of not in the in the dark about what's going on?" And I totally mm-hmm. agree with that the di- the difficulty is if you're watching it with like your ten year old son or something and you've got you've got the players mm. just in the background absolutely screaming some horrendous things I imagine you hear some terribly abusive things um, mm. th- that's obviously just the reason why it can't happen isn't it but I love it in you know I don't watch an awful lot of rugby but when I do yeah uh, I think it's brilliant to hear the thought process and the, the sort of the understanding behind it and 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 the sort of the respect for the referees is the main thing you get in other sports, isn't Absolutely. it? That you don't get in in football, but um, it, but then again, you know, I think the main thing that it would give us it help us understand some of the really questionable decisions because as much as you want to support referees and stuff, there are some decisions that make you go, how how have they ended up getting yeah. there? I mean, the the at the time of recording the the most recent set of Premier League fixtures when Man City beat Fulham with the last ninety third minute penalty awarded. I've watched that clip of Kevin De Bruyne going down so many times, and I just can't understand it. How I would give that as a referee, because mm. slow mo, not slow mo, any sort of angle, the sort of the theatrical dive from what can only be described as a tiny touch on his foot to to award a penalty to the best team in the league against a team who've sort of you know f- fought hard to get a draw. I just I just can't understand why they'd make that decision. So I'd love to have heard why that penalty was given, for instance. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it?
1: No, completely. I think you make a good point about other sports and and rugby. And I think, as you say, it's more the I guess the culture of the game and the the players do swear. I think more in football than than in rugby. But I think the annoying thing or the frustrating thing is that rugby shows that it can be done in terms of the actual yeah. process. Like, there's no problem with maybe you know using an earpiece and having the communication from the referees' side. Like physically it can easily be done, but I think it's more just kind of socially. It's a it's a bit of a no-no, as you say, because yeah. there'll be so much swearing that you can't actually then feed that through into the broadcast. Um which brings me to my second question. Um what do you think about having the the referee or any official come out when necessary after a game and have it a bit more obligatory or a bit more um commonly that yeah that a referee comes out um in a post-match press conference themselves you know or even if it's just a, a short interview to explain why they've made the decisions they have again good bad or in between
0: i, I think see i think that's a really good idea i mean mm. i'm sure there's probably people who don't think that and who there's probably reasons that i haven't thought of why it might not be but uh, on the one hand i'm like referees shouldn't have to explain themselves and uh referees decision should be final and you should it's go true. with it regardless but then I do think it would just help up, help clear up a lot of the chat either side if, if they almost gave an explanation then you accepted it and went fine that's the decision move on I think half the speculation that you kind of get from pundits and fans and days after a controversial decision would probably be at least you know chipped down a little bit because you'd had at least the referee's voice on it whereas for some of the most questionable decisions we, we'll never know really why they made that because, mm. because you don't get to hear do you um, I think the most frustrating thing for me is it, and it's hard as well I'm not I'm not sort of suggesting I could do it any better but it is the consistency isn't it Th- across mm-hmm. the board of everything one thing that is a foul in one game is not a foul in another game and I think in terms of all the things we talk about with sample size and trying to sort of look at patterns and everything like that within football it's quite hard isn't it because in one game the outcome could be totally different with all the variables mm. because of because of a simple refereeing decision in lots of ways and I think with the wasn't it with the Liverpool Man City game was it Anthony Taylor sort of I heard a really good um, chat about it on Five Lives they sort of were on about they'd he'd gone over to Klopp and Pep at the start of the game and basically said to them I'm going to be more lenient this game yeah. which is just an absolutely bizarre thing to happen because it's almost like it's not a subjective way of refereeing is it there should be one a foul should be a foul in the different circumstances, you know, it's, it's not really something you get to choose about how you're going to referee mm. a game, is it? Uh, I mean, in my head, it's not, but I just think there's so many variables and it's really hard to know what's what's right and what's wrong all the time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, that is a really good point. I think you're almost allowed to change maybe within a season, certainly not within a game, whether that is among the, all the referees or, or the individual referee, because I think, I think we spoke about it before at the start of this season, we were told that referees are going to be a little bit more mm. lenient on fouls um, whether or not that actually has kind of come to fruition or will across the course of the season, I, I don't know. But it's letting the game flow a little bit more is, is the main idea behind that, which I understand. But then to to change that from game to game just makes absolutely no sense. And to say that at the start of a game is, is a strange one. Um, but as you say, it's a, it's a thankless role anyway. And I think obviously the whole game of football is built upon teams and players making mistakes and that's how goals come about and when it's when it goes for your team it's great if the opposition player makes a bad pass is sort of has bad positioning what makes a mistake whatever the whole game is built upon trying to minimize your own mistakes and maximize the mistakes or expose the mistakes um, of the opposition so it's okay if a player does it to a certain extent because that's what makes the game the game but it's not okay if a referee does it that you know Basically, I'm saying that everyone's human, and it's when it's just there's so much on the line, isn't it? When you're talking about these big decisions, and Mm. the consistency thing is is a really a really important one. I think when you've got VAR to to have a bit of a safety net behind, you know, people do make mistakes and people do miss things. That's completely fine. But now that we do have VAR, and I said at the start we weren't going to speak about VAR, but it (laughs) it does easily come into it that that consistency. Consistency that you speak of is the interesting thing where it's like maybe that referee decided, okay, well, I'm not going to give that. But th- that's where the VAR has to catch it and say, well, no, we have given those sorts of fouls in yeah. the previous game week, in the previous game week to that, and whatever it might be. So we have to stay consistent here. You can't just decide on a whim when you've got a couple of minutes to think about it, rather than that split second decision when you've got the, you know, however many officials in. Stockley Park or whatever that's where the consistency is, is the most frustrating thing
0: oh yeah definitely and and I think the weird thing is as well I mean you know especially with things like handball and stuff like that I don't even really know what handball is anymore I had like a, um, oh, yeah. I had a bit of a um, we had a sort of a jokey argument of uh, Monday Night Football last night because like the ball hit someone's hand and it was like down by the side but it was fully sort of dangling and it hit their hand and stopped the the Ball from going essentially in the sort of top corner of the five side goal, and it's handball. And he's like, "Yeah, but I've got my um, I've got my hand down by my side." And I was like, "It do not matter. Like, you, you, it's handball." But he's like, "Well, mm. what can I do with my hand then?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, good point." But there's so many occasions that I sort of that whole unnatural position thing for handball <laughs> seems to change game to game. And and similarly, just with you know with fouls in general, what what is too much contact? What what is Uh, you know allowed areas of the pitch is an interesting one from an analytics point of view you know if if a foul is given in the box i bet referees are so i bet they give less fouls in the box that would be given elsewhere on the pitch because of where it is and i guess is the sort of the um is the game state a, a part of refereeing decisions i bet that's an interesting one to look at like how many fouls are sort of given in in the latter stages when a team are you know one nil down or, or whatever. I bet that changes across the board. It's just to find any level of consistency within <laughs> refereeing because it's such a multifaceted, you know, all over the place game in lots of ways, <laughs> isn't it? It's very hard to sort of say what what is a foul and what is not. And I guess that's why refereeing decisions are so hard. <laughs>
1: True, true. And uh, we're getting into the analytics now. I'm glad that you brought it up. We've been speaking <laughs> that, about referees, oh, and time. not actually got into Ooh. any analytics. And, and I well, I won't go into any data just yet, although I do have some. Um, but I do think that's a really good point about game state, about the location of the foul. And I also think the time of the foul. So yeah. there's the whole thing that they say anywhere else on the pitch and that would be a foul. You know, They say that quite commonly in sort of punditry. But it's also a thing which, again, I think people have said where you can almost you've got a little bit of a a longer rope to maybe have a bit of a cheeky foul in the first few minutes than it yeah, would yeah. be maybe just after half time or whatever it is that as you say if you're going to try and have that consistency and try and have that objectivity of what is a foul and what isn't then why is it different depending on at what point the game is why is it that, that you know the first 15 minutes might be different from the 60th to the 75th minute in yeah. terms of you know the the crowd building as you say the game state the score line and as you say as well the location of the foul. so there's so many parts to it but on the, the note of like using data and analytics i mean credit where credit's due. i've seen a few different things I think whether it's on Sky Sports or different uh, maybe things on YouTube I've seen, that uh, the referee kind of assessment, have you seen much about it? They do no. really scrutinize and have like post-match reports among the, I think, is it the, the PGMOL? So I'm just looking at now the Professional Game Match Officials Board of basically, yeah, they, they have a real... um database i suppose they have they pin a number to the rating of the referee and that informs then who will play um or who will officiate the the next game and they really do try and have a bit of you know objectivity to it and let's have it right as well the referees from the ones that i've seen are absolutely mortified if ever they make a mistake they're not looking to try and do it so they speak about like how they're always looking to improve their rating and how yeah. much they are kind of mortified if their rating ever goes down and how they compare between each other's you know each other's scores and look out for other referees to see how they're doing it and stuff. So almost like a player, you're kind of watching to get techniques from other people.
0: So there what, what, what is a contributes lot of, to what contributes to being a good ref though is in like is it do they almost go how many things have you got wrong? But then again, what classifies as getting it wrong? Like do you know what I mean? What goes into that rating?
1: I don't know, but th- I think this is where they have all of the, the match officials and they, um, is it Mike Riley oversees it all in terms of the Premier League? Yeah, you always hear um, his
0: name. <laughs> He's always under yeah. pressure because of how bad the in is. Well, exactly. But I,
1: again, they do have a uh, sort of evaluation of every single referee in every single game, at least at the, the very highest level in the Premier League. Um, and they assess it accordingly.
0: I've got this image in my head of them all sat round together, like sort of showing off about their stats, like top trump cards, sort of like, yep, that's right most yellows given uh in 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 the 21 22 season yeah how many how many did you get michael oliver oh wait i got yeah gave out 22 didn't i <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, no,
1: but like, they just they do they, they they have that maybe not like how many yellows, but they do honestly have an assessment where they try and make it as objective as they can um for for the officials, but you make a good point, Ryan. Because I have found a website called FootStats.co.uk, uh, and we have some referee analysis. Now Excellent. we're into the crux of the episode. Some numbers. real refolitics, know. Some real refolitics. You've been waiting however many minutes to say that, um, <laughs> and here we are. So, so basically, I don't, I don't have any numbers from or on this site. It doesn't I don't think it has updated numbers from this season. But we can look back at at last season. Um, and see, it basically has how many yellows per game, reds per game, and fouls per game. So make of it what you will, because it's an interesting one. Is it that they are legitimate yellow cards? And a lot of these referees are thinking, like, bloody hell, I'm having to officiate. I'm earning my money here in terms of having to actually give these yellow cards. Or are they just, you know, card happy? I don't know. Um, but it also has how many games the the referees have actually officiated on as well, and I suppose in terms of the most successful or well-known referees in the Premier League, the ones who referee the the most are going to be the ones who have got these higher ratings that we speak
0: about. So, um, I sense this is going down the road of a of a per ninety rating for uh, for for certain referees.
1: It absolutely is the the highest yeah who basically do you have a guess as <laughs> I can't believe we, like some people don't even know the names of referees because I, I wouldn't know the names of like half the referees in the Premier League for example but you know the, <coughs> the main names
0: that's a good quiz actually that's a good quiz later on let's just see how many refs you can get in quick fire succession um, who do I think who, What? who I think has the most yellows per 90
1: no no who officiated the most games last season
0: uh, I would say it's probably Michael Oliver no,
1: actually. Anthony Taylor? Well, he's right up there, yeah. Anthony Taylor, with 28. Paul Tierney with 27. Martin Atkinson.
0: Martin Atkinson, he's another one.
1: Martin Atkinson, 26. Mike Dean. Um, I was going to say, sadly, no longer with us. Sadly, no longer <laughs> officiating <laughs> in the Premier League. Very much alive and well. Gone on to better um, things. Michael Oliver, 26. Craig Pawson, 26. John Moss, uh, 25. And then you get down into low 20s, um, Stuart Atwell 20, David Coots 20 and then it's into the 10s um, but so yeah so it has the, the number of games that they've refereed so they're probably the most well known in the Premier League um, I'd say um, and then you can look at yellows per game so I mean the thing is sample size absolutely comes into this so the person with the highest yeah. yellows per game has only actually officiated four games so I'm discounting that person when you actually consider anyone above 10, shall we say, David Coote is the most card happy, 4. trigger happy 5, ref. Trigger happy ref. 4.5 yellow cards per game across the 20 games that he officiated. Wow. That's quite a lot. That is quite a lot. Um, in terms of Reds per game, which I think passes the eye test, well, it certainly does, um, Michael Oliver has averaged the highest
0: Reds per game last season. Really? I do think he
1: loves a card. I do think he loves yeah, a card. Yeah, but
0: he's. He's renowned as like one of the best refs, isn't he? Which, in my head, dishing out the red cards doesn't necessarily make a good ref because it makes me feel like they've lost control. But he's he's sort of got a reputation for being one of our one of our homegrown best, doesn't he, Michael Oliver? Whereas quite right, I'm a bit surprised by that. I I was quite thought, right. You know, yeah, I always thought someone like Anthony Taylor just loves a card, but um, as if I'm saying that with any knowledge. But but it feels like he does.
1: Well, I mean, with with all this as well, because it isn't actually someone. Impacting the game in terms of like the on ball side of things. Um, with the hypothesis being that so Michael Oliver 0.27 reds per 90, Anthony Taylor 0.18 reds per 90. But as, as is mentioned, those two are some of the people who referee the most games, but also, as you say, probably the highest stake games if that makes sense so is it that it's you know big clashes there's so much on the line you're going to get more fouls you're going to get higher tension and they are kind of obliged to give a red or two yellows often so maybe that sort of feeds into it as well where it's not (laughs) the referees fault that they're dishing out the cards it's that the games that they're officiating as i say are um are having to more tasty um, more tasty indeed um fouls per game David Coote gives the highest fouls per game. Makes sense because he has the highest yellows per game. Um, Andy Madley, 23.4 fouls per game. So yeah, I, again, it's the chicken or the egg, isn't it? Are they giving out more fouls more easily or are they just refereeing a dirtier game? We don't know. Well, we
0: know Anthony Taylor's not up there because he just lets people fight in the open and uh, and and he doesn't do anything about it until, until he has to, obviously. True. Um, just
1: watches on. Well,
0: uh, yeah, I think that was an utterly pointless analysis of of referees. In my head, like I'm almost like you know how you hear that sort of police uh, workers get sort of incentivized for how many people they arrest. It almost like I wonder if referees sort of is there an incentive for them to give cards, <laughs> or is it is it an incentive to try and not give as much and look like they're in control? Like I said, I'd love to know which way is deemed as impressive for. Uh, for a referee I also did you did you have a list of the Peter Crouch pod where they uh, I think they had Mike Dean on didn't they and didn't they talk about the different <laughs> the different like factions within the referees like some of them yeah, were quite yeah. pallid and some of them didn't get on like when Mark Klattenberg was there I think was, didn't he like not get on with stuff? and like Andre Mariner was like mates with one of the others and mm-hmm. not the others but blah, blah, blah. It's, it's such an interesting world referees isn't it when you actually think about it. That's what I mean yeah you unpick it and there's there's far more to it but
1: I think did you just start a conspiracy there to basically say that refs are looking for trouble? <laughs> I don't know. Trying- but,
0: well, maybe. Are they looking to... It, it, does it make a good ref? Are you bragging if you didn't give out many fouls last year? Or are you bragging because you gave out loads of fouls? Which, which one is the one that makes you go, I'm impressive? Or is it somewhere in the middle because you're going, I'm the most balanced referee? I don't know. I'd be interested to know.
1: I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for the listeners to weigh in with their any thoughts and to there. get in contact with us. Any refs out there, any thoughts, you know where to send them. Okay, so before we move on to our next sort of half and the next topic within refs, I want to give a shout out to a uh, to friend of the pod, actually, uh, Dr. Mukherjee, who sent something to me. Um, this is going back a few weeks now, and it was... A referee analysis, and he basically visualized, um, fantastically visualized, um, the referees' sort of decisions: fouls whistled per game, red cards per game, yellow cards per game, penalties given per game, uh, fouls whistled per tackles. I think, which is a good metric actually, um, into into these amazing, colorful radars. So we obviously do it a lot. You'll see common visualizations for uh, you know players at the player level to assess. How uh, the style, I suppose, of a, a certain player, but we have stylistic metrics and
0: visualizations for referees now, Ryan. This is fantastic news. This is refalytics. This is what it's all about. Right <laughs> in front of me, looking at these graphs. This is like what I said about those. Um, if you imagine sort of a top trump character profile for a ref, but much better. So you know, we can see here the diff. We should obviously put these on socials, but it gives you a proper profile about what the tref- uh, what the refs like. And I'm a bit like, you know, Mike Dean, for instance, on this uh, radar in front of me, his circle is tiny for all Mm. metrics. So it's almost almost like he's a why bother profile. You know, he doesn't get involved with all that sort of stuff. Whereas Paul Tierney, his circle is absolutely massive for all metrics. So he's clearly buzzing around, trying to get involved, giving cards right, left and centre, blowing his whistle all the time. You know, then you've got someone like Craig Pawson, who's red, red cards shown per game. Uh, very low, but fouled whistles per game, very high on this graph. So that, Love what does that say to you? That just says, hasn't got the minerals, basically, <laughs> to go through with it.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. See, this is the sort of analysis that this yeah. podcast is all about. The Mike Dean one's interesting, though, because he's sort of notoriously known to make it all about him sort of thing he's got to be mm. an ego i think that's fair to say but and as you look at the data doesn't pass the eye test he actually keeps quite a low profile lets the game yeah. flow maybe lets everyone crack on with it so this, this is, is why really good data is good let's definitely put this up on social um and yeah, we'll really tag uh, dr Mukherjee. so thank you so much for sending that over and i said i'd give uh, it a shout out and it's so cool to see very hard to explain over a audio podcast but we're going to put the visuals up on social um because it's great so couldn't couldn't carry on without uh including that little bit but i want to move on now ryan to i guess the the broader idea and i think we've spoken about this before about referees obviously influencing the game but referees being influenced on the game uh, as well and how obviously that the players influence what the referees have to do but how much the crowd and the stadium and the whole atmosphere influences a, a referee because we spoke about it with certain uh, referees you know refereeing yeah. officiating the the games that are more higher stake is there a difference in their output compared with maybe a, a bit of a dead rubber game you know a quiet yeah, yeah. crowd or whatever it might be timing of the um, of the actual kickoff itself is it is it that and I'm making this up just completely off the top of my head now but is it that a four o'clock kickoff is different from a twelve o'clock Saturday afternoon kickoff in terms of yeah. what the the whole atmosphere is like and then you know as a consequence what the officiating will be um, so much to, to unpack here actually in terms of that bias of a referee
0: yeah it's all interesting stuff to think about I mean the home buyers thing. so by that do you mean obviously if uh, there's obviously that famous phrase isn't there, the you know the so and so team when they're playing at home have, have got like the 12th the 12th man the 12th person mm-hmm. um, it, is that almost like the home crowd putting pressure on referees when they are officiating a team who's playing at home and will they give less fouls or less big decisions because of the sort of reaction the crowd gives etc is that what you mean
1: yeah, I suppose' it's, it's a two-way sort of answer in terms of it being first of all, the home advantage is a thing, I guess in itself, just where you you know the, the team who's playing mm. at home has got their more of their crowd behind them, so it might elevate their performance levels. and I think if I'm not mistaken, that's a whole episode that we've done in the past talking about that, yeah. um, that response of the players and their performance. But as a consequence, they're putting more, uh, more pressure the the home crowd more pressure on refereeing decisions and it's it's more that it's an an unconscious referee bias and it's quite a well known thing quite a well documented uh, phenomenon within sport in general that it's as I say it's not intentional from the referee but it occurs nevertheless um, and I looked into some some research on this some published papers to see just how much this this was a thing and there was a paper from 2012 by um, a researcher called Chris Gumas, looking at home advantage and referee bias in European football. Um, And essentially, okay, granted, this is going back a few years now, but looked at, uh, and he looked across two seasons worth uh, of data in the Champions League and the Europa League and looked at all of the decisions that were uh, given by the referee and fouls and cards and things like that. And essentially, he found that within the Champions League, that referees issued 25% more yellow cards. And really? in the Europa League, referees uh, issued 10% more yellow cards uh, to the away team compared to the home team. Right. And basically, get, came to the conclusion that the higher level of home team bias, um, especially in the Champions League, appeared to be mainly due to higher crowd density. So there was a, a correlation, I suppose, a relationship between how packed the stadium is and and how dense the stadium is and then as a consequence the the referee bias um right so yeah basically the the final line the final conclusion within the um the research paper was that it provides further evidence that crowd support influences referee decisions so even if we think that it doesn't
0: it absolutely does well it must do must it i mean look if you if you know that you're going to make a big decision. If a player goes down from the home team, and the crowd are absolutely an uproar, um, you're going to feel a bit of pressure to give that penalty, aren't you, to the home team? If if it's sort of if they've been hacked down at last minute, even if you're unsure about the decision, that noise and that intimidation surely is going to make you feel like a bit of pressure to say yes, because you know the reaction that's intimidating for anyone, whoever you are, whatever character you are. Which I guess says that, you know I guess you have to be a certain type of character to be a referee but you know of course it's going to influence it surely
1: yeah 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 Yeah, exactly as we said before they're only human Mm. i think the best way to kind of show that in recent years which we wouldn't have chosen in normal circumstances but has been thrust upon us is the whole pandemic and how we can Mm -hmm. dissociate between the effect of the crowd um yeah or lack of effect of a crowd you know or the absence of a, a crowd and how that influences the, the referee's decision and I, I saw another research paper on this and it's called the sound of silence in association football home advantage and referee bias decrease in matches played without spectators uh, and this is by someone called Fabrizio Sors uh, and uh, their colleagues in 2020 obviously looking at COVID-19 pandemic and the the effects of referee bias so said so that the aim of the the study was to investigate whether home advantage and referee bias still occur and to what extent during matches played in the absence of spectators um, and it looked at the first and second divisions um, of the top four countries in uefa ranked uh side so it's quite a substantial number we talk about sample yeah. size this was 841 matches behind closed doors um so a fairly healthy size and And basically, I won't go into the the specifics of the the results and the numbers, but they did find uh, that there was a reduction in home advantage and in um, a reduction in referee bias. Unconscious or not, there was a reduction in referee bias as a consequence of not having fans in the stadium. So they said that this brings further support to the claim that among all factors contributing to home advantage and referee bias, crowd noise itself does have a relevant role. So spectators can significantly contribute to determine the the dynamics and outcomes of football matches, which in itself is such an interesting finding to know that when you go to a football game, despite thinking that you are just kind of watching on, you can really truly, as a, as a collective, influence the outcome of a game. If you shout loud enough. If you shout loud mm. enough, yeah. Which in itself, uh, forget the referee side of it, that in itself is a really interesting finding, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, yeah. the The funny thing about that that uh, always makes me laugh whenever I go to live games is, uh, you could be sat in you know the highest upper tier in one of the biggest stadiums in the world, and a player goes down, and immediately you shout uh, <laughs> as if either for for your team basically, and as if you can see it clear as day. Mm. Uh, with no binoculars or anything like that some of the <laughs> some of the chants and some of the shouts are so funny from someone who's very often a neutral um i'm, I'm always like how? i mean look if the ref can't see it that close how did you see you know but um
1: i get yeah i get frustrated that i think i watched something um or i watched a game on tv recently and there was a player who was i think quite clearly concussed and the crowd, and they sort of went down initially, then got up and a few minutes went by and then they went down again because they were clearly, you know, injured and it was quite serious. Mm. And then when they went down again, the crowd were like up in arms by the fact that they went down again, like, get up. And it's like,
0: yeah, this is,
1: this is serious. Like, But obviously because every fan is so biased towards their own team, yeah. they'll just berate any other player or obviously a referee. Um, if something doesn't go their way so but it does it shows that you can have an effect yeah
0: that is really interesting that it you know sort of you know tangibly does have uh an effect on on decisions and you know you can understand why can't you um one thing i'd be interested to get your opinion on before we wrap up i mean we, we we have actually got through most of the episode without discussing var too much uh which pat on the back for us both um i think something that i find interesting is you know when with the with the replays and when the ref goes over to the monitor to to look, I think obviously they should do that more often. There is a massive chat all the time, isn't there, about why refs don't do that more often. And you kind of it's got it's become a bit of a sort of a caricature, hasn't it? That when a ref goes over, you almost know they're going to change their decision. I can count on probably one finger a time I can remember that uh, a ref has stuck to their decision when they've gone to the monitor. Replays, do you think they should be in slow mo, or do you think they should be played at real time? I'm not sure where I stand on that question. It's such an interesting one because I totally see both sides of the argument. But you know when they show the slow-mo replays Mm. and things look really bad Mm. and refs then make their decisions on that, just in terms of different factors that sort of influence refs' decisions, I find that one a really interesting one because I can't put my finger on what I think. Do you have an opinion?
1: I don't, but I'm happy to share one in in real time Um, because (laughs) I, I agree with you. I think it's a really tough one. I think... Given my sort of clumsiness in 5 side I think I'd probably be getting a lot of red cards for what is just in real time, just simple clumsiness, like a slightly yeah. late challenge, maybe treading on someone's foot, which if you slowed it down, you know, within an inch of its life, it would look far worse. So I do absolutely mm. agree with the idea that when you slow it down to a certain extent, it really does look far more dangerous than it actually is. So I think there's a lot of... Instances where yeah, having it in real time will just show truly what exactly what the referee saw, obviously, um, and what what maybe should be given as a uh, as a decision. Yeah, yeah. I don't really, I don't really know. But on the on the going to the monitor thing, I don't know whether this is asking you a question back now, or well, mainly my new idea. Basically, rather than going to the monitor each time and showing everyone that you're doing the the whole square mm. imaginary square thing, running over to the monitor like in a hurry, then you've got fans all like near you again trying to have an impact on the referee's decision. What if the ref just had a like a iPad or not even an iPad, just a phone, where they just sent it straight through to the phone, and you could just look. You'd still be in the middle of the pitch and just look on your phone and just look at the, the result there. Do you know what I mean? Rather than... That is a really around. interesting idea. Saving, saving all the time of running to the corner or the side of the pitch. Just have it on your phone. Bish bash Ref's bosh. Ref's like, I got, hang on, I've got
0: a text from the got room. Te- <laughs> <laughs> <Just> got <laughs> a text. Do you know
1: what <laughs> I mean though? Just like, bish bash bosh. Just get it done. Like Look at it on your phone and you could even be like, while they're, I don't know, while a player is... um you know, getting treatment or something for an injury, just quickly, like, just check on your phone. Not, like, scroll through your phone. Don't go on Twitter or anything. <laughs> but just check on your phone and just look at the the decision and reflect. Do you know what I mean? I think that could you easily
0: might be done. You might be on with me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Vardaphone,
0: mate. You just you just introduced Vardaphone, Vardaphone. to the world. Oh, I've got to think but, of But then, else, I mean, though. that... That'd become an act of theatre in itself though, wouldn't it? Like so they're running up to the monastery <laughs> and I was like, Oh, what is they'd be like, Oh, he's going to his pocket, he's got his thick all the like players be looking like over the shoulder, look, trying to see what, what the thing is. I like the idea, it's quite funny. No, yeah. but
1: like it does have a serious point to it, I think. Like it, it maybe would, <laughs> you'd need to iron out some creases. But I do genuinely think that it could have some some validity. Vardaphone. Refa E. Ref that was what I was trying <laughs> to think of. Unbelievable. There's so many. We're gonna have to come yeah. back to this. Um, it is a thing yeah i mean if there's any other place to to finish i think it's there (laughs) um before ryan thinks of any more puns because i know how he operates i'm going (laughs) to wrap it up there ryan um but yeah thank you Andrew. i enjoyed that episode that was a fun one but yeah thank you for for listening everybody um if you want to get in contact with us of course you always know how to do it you can contact us on email fanalytics.pod at gmail.com or, of course, you can catch us on socials at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, as ever, for listening. Send in any thoughts, questions, funny puns. Ryan will love to hear that. Um, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. We will see you next time.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.